0: All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this.
1: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's Wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com/wonder.
0: When I'm at work,ing I call my bluff, and I just wanna get out. I'm tight, am I right? I just might prepare for the drought. Let me go on. Every day I'm out on the slough. Let me go on. 101 part-time jobs. All right, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs podcast. It's the show where I speak to artists and bands, musicians about how they've been able to regulate a life playing in music because all these stories are different, you know, and we haven't really heard about them too much until now. Today's episode, Bob and Bill from Bonnie Dune, who last Friday just released one of my favourite records of the last five years, I reckon. Let There Be Music, it's called. And I think the, the first thing to say about them is that they were the backing band for Waxahatchee's St. Cloud which was an absolute classic and came out at the start of lockdown where we just had a chance to listen to it over and over. But also I'd say they sound a little bit like, well, they've got a bit of Big Star in them and a bit of George Harrison. So there you go. That is every reason to go listen to the new Bonnie Doon record, Let There Be Music. Thanks so much for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, 101 Part-Time Jobs. I haven't really decided that yet. And if you're wondering why right now doesn't sound the usual top-notch quality as it usually does it's because I'm in Germany and my girlfriend's parents house having an idyllic time in Bavaria where the birds are singing and there's literally trees in every direction and also German engineering is just supreme I feel like one of those folk back in the day where before the internet if you if you lived in a different country and you wanted to know how to do something better. You'd go on a trip to another part of the world to see how they, I don't know, built their ships, made their ropes, prepared their salmon. I I feel like that, because I've come over here and said, that's how you do it. That's how, I'm gonna go home, back to London, and realize, actually no, that's how you hang a frame. Anyway, cheers to you for listening. Thanks to 2000 Trees Festival for supporting the show that's in just a couple of weeks now and if you want to come see me do a live 101 part-time jobs there it'll be on the Friday morning at 10am and I'll be speaking to Prima Queen uh, and one TBC so 10am Friday morning at 2000 Trees where Play, formerly known as Slaves are headlining alongside Frank Hart and the Rattlesnakes and Bullet for My Valentine and loads of great bands throughout the the wednesday to the saturday they even give you the sunday off which is how compassionate the people at trees are who else is playing american football the bronx sprints chubby and the gang the chisel high viz crows hundred reasons yeah loads of ace things at 2000 trees this year and if i were you i wouldn't want to miss out on it so go to 2000trees.co.uk to get the last tickets before they sell out and with the voucher code 101POD you can get 20 quid straight off that ticket price alright cheers then here is Bob and Bill of course if you went to school you'd be friends with Bob and Bill wouldn't you from Bonnie Dune here on 101 Part Time Jobs cheers something I find really fascinating is that you know you kind of identify this thing playing music and writing songs and of course there's a social element of it and i find the sort of the whole process of prioritizing that so interesting
2: you're you're speaking of the total commitment to throwing away all economic potential that is being in a band
0: big time yeah (laughs) and you know like talking about money lifelong
2: the setting yourself up for lifelong sacrifice
0: yeah. And yeah, talking about money, it's not the most exciting thing, but that is real life. You know, we're talking just totally. before recording, you know, I'm 32. In the last five years, I've finally found a flat that I can afford. And, you know, I have a cat and all these things that like make me really like happy that before I didn't necessarily think too much about. Right. Um, you know, what's what, what have your guys' stories been like that? You know, you've known each other quite a long time. Were you friends before that? Were you playing in bands in... In school? We um
2: we met on the Detroit music scene playing in a different band and um, shortly thereafter kind of like formed our own band. And that was like we met like in twenty twelve and we formed Bonnie Doon in twenty fourteen. Yeah. Um and yeah, we've always just had shit jobs and a lot of them. Well, I've had more than Bill. Bill, Bill is able to keep a job longer than I. But, I've had my <laughs> um, fair share, though. We actually worked at the same restaurant for, together for. I worked there for five years when we started Bonnie Dune.
0: Yeah, I can't believe job. you made it that long. Yeah, five years is a long time. Yeah, I got I know. To me
1: the job, <laughs> and then I got fired pretty shortly thereafter. Actually, I lasted a while too, <laughs> but fired because I went on had to go on tour and just didn't get my shifts sorted out. You know, covered. Properly. But they brought
2: they brought you back for a second
1: <laughs> yeah. tour of duty. Yeah, they sure did. I think
2: you did you get fired again or did you quit the second time?
1: Yeah, I think it just kind of we all we all agreed it wasn't gonna wasn't gonna work out the second time either. Um, and were you
0: just standing standing by and watching Bill get fired, Bobby? Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was, I, was I
2: mean, I honestly I had to take the side of management on that one. He didn't get his <laughs> covered, and that's just kind of a, a hard and fast. Yeah. You know.
1: I'll take I'll take the L on that one. Um,
2: I I don't know, like, you know, like sometimes when a job is cool with you touring and you make enough to survive, it's really hard to get out of that situation. It's kind of, you know, like a, a trap um, mm. and I had to move to California to get to, to get out of that job. But um, yeah,
1: sometimes it's like the money is just like, you know, too good. And the and the circumstances around, yeah, getting time off is too easy and. You just stick with it because that's what you've been doing and it's working. But whether or not it's, you know, good for you or not.
2: You don't, I mean, you hate it, but you don't even think about it. I mean, I'm, Bill and I would just kind of be annoying everyone else that we worked with by like talking about our, having private conversations about our band and like scheming (laughs) the whole time, you know, to, to get out of the situation.
0: I wonder if, you know, do you think there's something in having that project on the side that you you guys can, you know, get pretty buoyed about, you know, you can get excited about your scheming, your plotting, like you got things to look forward to. Does that make it easier?
1: It takes some effort to not let it get you down, especially at the job that we were at, which is just like a pretty annoying bar in an annoying part of town.
0: Uh, How so? What kind of annoying?
1: Just the crowd is not maybe the kind of people that we would choose to hang out with, sort of, uh just you know it's it was like a Mardi Gras every night kind of a thing um
0: flashing the cash kind of rude
1: there you go yep there you go
0: it's hard isn't it because there's areas like that and you don't want to be rude because it's like not everyone like that is is acting that way but there are areas to sort of avoid right absolutely yeah in detroit were there many you know many people to i mean you got mc5 and i mean Wayne Wayne Kramer was always talking about how people, you know, everyone in the band should have a job, <laughs> you know, everyone should be like, be looking after their own shit. And it's a, it's a real kind of hard ass kind of team effort. Who else? I mean, did you look up to that? Like, What kind of examples did you have in in your lives to, to look up to, to look towards and be like, oh, that's how you can operate. That's how you can be a band.
2: It was our friends, you know, who who started kind of, you know, we grew up playing in punk bands and DIY bands and kind of the, um, the idea of ever doing more than that kind of like never really crossed our mind. Like it, not only did it, didn't seem possible. It just kind of wasn't in my vocabulary at least. And then it was like our friends in Detroit, Proto Martyr and um, our friend Waxahachie, Katie Crutchfield, we, we were her backing band for a few years. Like they started to kind of, you know, do things on a bigger level than DIY and get out there a little more. And that just kind of like, kind of like a light bulb went off and it's just kind of like, oh, you can, you, there's actually an audience beyond the basements and, you know, punk houses and squats and whatever, you know, where we were playing shows. And, um, you know, that was kind of, if anything, friends were the model, I would say, and still are.
1: Yeah, still are. I mean, we're still, I, I mean, I still work at a pizza place three, four nights a week and pick up jobs and construction stuff like that. The long-term goals. So hopefully the band can be our job, main job, our one job, because we do put so much time and effort in. That's what we do. That's what we want to do. But, you know, it's uh, hey, part-time jobs have gotten me this far. So
0: you can't like hide away from that. Right. You know, it's almost, I imagine it's sort of like, almost like a tricky thing to think about is because it it maybe it's like hard to imagine not because you've been doing it for so many years. It's hard to imagine just doing music, but you know, you can't, you can't lie to yourself equally. Right. Hey, I don't want to speak for you, but clearly this is the thing that you kind of love most doing, you know, with your time, this is where you want to spend your money and spend your time.
2: Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a compulsion, you know, and every, every time I've tried to walk away from it, Previously, it hasn't lasted very long, so I've just kind of tried to accept that and uh, trying to, uh, you know, not fight it.
0: I'm such a big fan of your lyrics. I connect them massively. You know, I read something on Reddit not too long ago that was like, you know, don't live inside your head too long because you'll end up mugging yourself, basically, you know, and... Mm. And that's like, there's a, there's there's quite a few lines there's quite a few Bonnie Doon lines that I that I like relate to that kind on that kind of level. Do you think the sort of lifestyle of playing music feeds into that? Where you're coming from? I mean, I think
2: to make good art, and I'm not saying Bonnie Doon is good art as a general rule. Like, I think to make good art, you've got to. It's it's a complete devotion to a lifestyle. Like, you know, whatever whatever the lifestyle that is going to facilitate whatever you're trying to do, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a kind of... You can't compartmentalize yourself and kind of be living in two worlds. And actually, I was a, um, in my 20s, I was a teacher. I'd gone to school for um, education. I was a social studies teacher. And mm. I walked away from that shortly before we started Bonnie Doon just because I was like, I can't really be doing music well and do this. It's just too draining. It's too time consuming. Mm. And, uh, you know, this is music's what I actually want to do.
0: There's, there's a conflict there, you know, in, in any good story, there's gonna be a kind of um, like a friction.
2: There's, there's always tension, you know, like, um, I, I, I wish I had more money. <laughs> I live in New York and uh, I do art handling because it's flexible around, uh, Bonnie doing stuff and all of my coworkers are musicians or another kind of artist, everyone's kind of just doing it as their hustle. And it's, it's not super well paying, um, and New York's expensive, obviously. So, you know, I mean, there's obvious, there's always a tension between like not having the money I wish I had for you know, basic expenses or a lifestyle I maybe wish I was living, but it's it's all trade offs. You know, I don't necessarily envy people I know with uh, more professional jobs. Um,
0: hey, you get you get pretty good at making a sandwich, an econo sandwich at home, right? Oh
2: yeah, yeah. I, I, there's definitely there's some fantastic sandwiches going on in our household.
0: <laughs> you know, you mentioned earlier about labels and you know having people around you work with big, you know, independent, but bigger labels. Is it still an interesting conversation to have with those people at those labels where, you know, it's, it's obviously their full-time job to, to release these records with a number, of, a number of bands. And you are of course, not to make it sound weird, but you know, you, you are a, a big value to those people. When you're on Salinas and you're speaking about like, you know, you're going on the road, you're going to take a time off work, and then you're going to go back to your jobs. Does that conversation stay the same up to Anti, to a big independent record label?
2: You know, like, um, Anti is more maybe more involved in, in, the, in the day-to-day than, like, a Salinas, you know, um, mm-hmm. of the band. But fundamentally, the band still doesn't make money. So from a, just a, how our lives are, they haven't been changed materially that much, you know? It's still kind of the same hustle as it was nine years ago when we started the band as far as like we all have jobs we've all got to get the time off and stuff but
0: are people anti or anti are they you know is that conversation out there do you say that do you say that out loud like less you know we're going to try and do this together and you know make a living from it for sure yeah
2: yeah i mean for sure that's the goal and they're super supportive of that and they do offer a ton of support in a lot of ways including you know tour support sometimes when it's necessary they can only be yeah they can only do so much you know
0: (laughs) yeah
1: yeah exactly We're, we're a little bit lower on their uh priority list at this point but they help out for sure
0: did you ever read uh the maximum rock and roll book your own fucking life um, I've definitely paged through it.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: I' flipped on through the it. toilet before yeah. <laughs>
0: I was found that, for, that was so fascinating. I thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. I was like, this is how people do it. It's community. It's, it's, it's cold cooling. yeah that. I
2: mean yeah uh, yeah, I mean we we booked our own tours back in the day um, and and you know the, the first place we ever played was the Trumbullplex in Detroit, like an anarchist um housing collective and the first place we played in new york was uh was c squat um wow what was that like was <laughs> the
0: leftover crack yeah, Choking yeah it, was,
2: it was a funny venue for us for our music maybe but it was like a sunday matinee show and it was super fun yeah and um you know wouldn't have had it any other way but yeah i mean you know that was that's kind of the only way to do things when you're just starting out and, and that, even though that book is, you know, from the really the pre-internet era, I mean, that's, that's still how it's done, except people have the tools of the internet, obviously. So
0: yeah.
2: I'm, I'm thankful to not be booking. Anymore yeah. Though. I feel
1: like you really laid the, re- laid the framework down though, Bob, like years of DIY touring and bands previous to ours and me, just like having connections throughout, you know, the country really. Um, and when you, we're like, yeah, I have a new band. People were like, great, let's do a show.
2: I'm a little bit older than everyone in Bonnie Doon, so I've been kind of doing it a little longer, and we were able to kind of just use some contacts that I had had. But,
0: um, is that how you met Waxahachie? Uh,
2: Yeah, yeah, I know Katie through that world.
0: It seems to be the one of the biggest things to sort of keep doing it is to keep doing it right and just it's that resilience that's what I get out of it you know when you when you thumb back over people's discographies and find out about people's old bands and you find out that people have been playing music for 15-20 years and maybe you didn't even you know you can't even track back for those first 10 years yeah that's something that gets me really excited as a fan that resilience I don't know somehow it comes out the page or it comes out the speakers for me it's strange
2: so did you um, did you sense a sort of resilient uh, long long history in our <laughs>
0: yeah I mean 2000, 2013 is ten years ago now yeah yeah it doesn't doesn't feel like it, but ten years is a hell of a long time I mean you know think about your individual personal growth you can change a lot in a year change a whole lot in two years you know that I, I often think that and I do this most of my time now interviewing bands and the thing that strikes me you know, now more than ever, and I guess I've been really interested in speaking to bands since since I was fifteen, and I basically begged my local band to join them because I just wanted to be part of it. It's just that I find it fascinating that relationship between band members and how you know three people. It's not a ska punk band with eight or nine members, but it's still three three lives. Those are, you know, those are, those are huge things to to have in the balance and. You know, I, I really respect it, and I and I love hearing those stories about, you know, growing together. Really,
2: yeah, yeah. It's um, it's difficult. It's a difficult thing to manage. I mean, as as much as an intimate partnership or a family relationship.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you go from you know, like Bobby and I, we started out just as friends, and it was we played we did music together because that's what we love to do, um, mm. and our friendship is strong and will be that way. But like, you know, we went from being just best buds to being business owners together, basically for lack of a better word.
0: Doing your taxes. together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you have to be like, you have to have a strong foundation to, to make it through. And I think that's a big part of why a lot of bands don't really make it that far is because the relationships aren't strong, you know, and you need it.
0: I think I read something recently that was, it was a very, it, it, it was a very wise thing. I felt, I I found it very wise. And it said about how in any kind of working relationship that the the personal relationship, personal relationship has to come first. Yeah. You know, have you guys had to had some, you know, have you two had to make, had some like difficult conversations over the time, you know, over the years where it's it's had to be like, you know, maybe someone's feeling a bit down on it. Maybe, you know, there's a kind of not seeing eye to eye massively on like an emotional level sorry it's a bit of a deep question really but Mm -hmm. that's life that's life right
2: yeah no i mean for sure for sure um and i yeah i think to to be a a band or do a musical project with the same collaborators for 10 years you've got to have kind of a Almost delusional sense of yeah. you know its importance or something to like you like have to believe in it so much um, because it, it's you're inevitably gonna go through hard times or you know times when it feels like um, it would be easy to walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, our our drummer Jake um, has struggled with he's had Crohn's disease the whole time. We've been doing the band, but during the pandemic, it really started to flare up in a way that was inhibiting his ability to travel or work or do much. And uh, around the same time, I started having a lot of issues with chronic illness as well and um, also had like a brain injury from a construction accident that ended up like lasting a year. So wow. Jake and I were like kind of down for the count for a while. And while we were working on this um, last record that's about to come out, and you know kind of between all of our personal issues and the pandemic we looked up you know and it had been three years since we played a show and it's just that kind of stuff where it starts to feel like maybe it's a natural break and maybe Mm. maybe it's you know time there's something pointing towards that but then you you'll have a breakthrough you know if you ride it out and it'll just it'll feel very real and vital again and that's where things are at now we've been doing little tours to get ready for the big summer tour when the record comes out and they've just been amazing and you know it feels more alive and real than it that it has you know in maybe ever
1: yeah totally
0: Whitehead part time jobs 101 part time jobs 101 part time jobs 101 part time jobs Let there be music it is just such an amazing record I feel like I'm lifted like walking down the street <laughs> listening to that like it really it really you know some some days you can really feel like your life's heavy right and this seems that record really lightened my load it's an it's an absolutely incredible music and incredible record and i think it's it's a great message you know it's always got that kind of george harrison thing about it where it's like it's about music you know it's a, it's a, it's about feeling good to the sounds
2: yeah thank you um thanks for the listening and careful listening um, of course. yeah i th- i don't know I, yeah we i don't know if we intended to like make a record that had some sort of positive message but that song just kind of um, when, when we wrote it it kind of defined and recorded it to kind of define the spirit of that batch of songs so that's right. how the title came about and
0: that was one of the earlier tracks you wrote for it sorry to cut in
2: I think so yeah um, and it felt <laughs> it felt almost like a children's song or something <laughs> yeah. in its simplicity and that was really that was really exciting to us just to to kind of do something, lean into something a little new um, that it felt like we always like really simple music and are really attracted to simplicity. Like a lot of our songs maybe only have two chords or something, but that one kind of felt like it was pushing that even further in that direction. And, and it, we really latched on to it.
0: Do you share the lyric writing? Mm hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, we, we write together, or we write for each other or with each other. It's it's all kind of, yeah. It's it, it goes both ways, and we, you know, we're always writing and sharing, and yeah, it's good.
0: Where where are you living?
1: Oh, I'm in Detroit, Detroit, Michigan.
0: So you're sharing over voice notes, over email. What's the what what's the kind of like thing that feels best over time? What's the thing that's what's the proven way to to share <laughs> songs?
1: Well, I think like since since we don't live in the same city anymore. Um the thing that really works for us is to plan like a week or two week long retreat or something, you know, get a place um where we can just really actually dig into the music. Um, and then when we come together with our little ideas or our voice notes or whatever it is, there's space and less pressure to sort of, you know, dig deeper. And that's, that's been great. Like we, I I feel like the, it's a healthier, uh, we have a healthier relationship to the band and writing and creativity, um, living in separate, in different cities. I feel it's like less of a chore, you know, when you're doing the two or three practices a week, you're just, you kind of lose sight of, you know, why you do it um, and what can be fun about it. So when we do come together, we really make it, meaningful you know
2: make it a vacation yeah turn it
1: into something fun something
2: we're excited about i will say though like i really enjoy getting like we send each other a lot of voice memos and i do love getting the you know no context voice memo from bill and just i can't wait to open it and you know (laughs) see what the little fragment he sent me is yeah you
1: want to hear a little one real quick here yeah how do you how do you feel about this xanax and chardonnay LAX to JFK. That's pretty good, right? Just came came out of me one day and I sent it to Bob and he said that's pretty good. Hopefully that can make a song.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Like it. I mean it's funny, <laughs> that, it's funny that I mean I feel like as a British person, when we read about Xanax and sort of prescription pills in the <laughs> States, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty down it's a no pun intended, it's a downer. <laughs>
1: that's the kind of stuff that keeps us. What do you gotta do for excited. anxiety over
0: there? not smoke weed that you buy off the street
1: i feel like weed's a little too legal in michigan like every other shop is a is a uh marijuana dispensary which hey is great i love it but um, what what's
0: that done to you like were you a smoker or a toker before and, and i was a smoker thinking? and a
1: toker before uh but not so much anymore i mean i i i you know I'll I'll hit a joint every once in a while, but um...
0: special occasions, weddings and funerals. (laughs)
2: There you go. We used to really rely on it in the band. Like you know, we wouldn't play unless we were high. Like um, we'd have, we'd share a joint before every set, and Mm. uh, you know, we'd be smoking all practice, every practice, and be really high in the studio too. Um, But that's kind of phased out. I would still like to do that, but I don't like being the only one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so
2: i haven't been <laughs> um so I'm yeah it's, it's better for collectively for sure yeah i'm hoping we can revive that ritual soon but
0: that there's something communal about sharing a joint isn't there because it, oh, it, yeah. it, it almost feels like a it's a duvet fort when the parents are out you know
2: like, uh, <laughs> yeah i mean i just i like to it's 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 nice to do whatever you know this can look a lot of ways but it's nice to kind of have something where you come together and do something together right before you play to kind of synchronize energies and you know align with each other and, and that was a good way to do that um, yeah you know just to kind of ch- you know do a little check-in a little huddle
0: big time do you do psychedelics
2: yeah um i uh, we again we used to rely on that a lot you know for writing and recording
0: would you would you be high on psychedelics when recording? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Are yeah. You talking mushrooms, acid,
2: both. Yeah, both. Yeah, but I've I've kind of taken a break. I had a really bad acid trip um, almost a year ago, about nine ten months ago at Bill's wedding. Actually,
0: <laughs> wow.
2: Well, it was just painful <laughs> and long, and left me with I, uh, just I uh, ha- was having pa- regular panic attacks after it, um, oh, from just anything from like a half a cup of coffee or a little puff of meat mm-hmm. or whatever. Wow. Um, and I think it was the quality or lack thereof of the acid, but I'm not sure. So I've just been kind of, I haven't done psychedelics since then. I've been careful, but, but I like on,
1: to- lo- on long wave, our last our second record. Uh, yeah. I mean, we were almost exclusively, <laughs> um,
2: Hi, on psychedelic weird process. Yeah, recording. Yeah, leaning leaning into the lifestyle heavily.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Was was the person who was engineering it? Was was that like cool to work with? That
2: yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, we were kind of worried about that because we didn't know him. Um, our, our, he's now our friend Bill, but um, Bill Skibby, I'll say to differentiate from our Bill. But um, we we didn't know him before we went to record wave, so we showed up at the studio and we the night before we were starting and we we're just kind of having to get to know you chat and he's just kind of he straight up is like so what are you guys into you know what what drugs do you do kind of just kind of trying to understand where a band is coming from you know yeah, yeah, um yeah and you know we were like well you know like not you know we'll have a beer now and then we like We'll, you know, smoke a joint. Like, are are you okay with us doing acid? You know, kind of sheepishly asked. And he's like, "Oh yeah, acid, fine." You know, just you know, whatever. And he launched into a story about getting arrested with a bunch of sheets in his app, sheets of acid in his car when he was in, dealing it out in Santa Cruz. Uh, so it was like it ended up being a good thing, and Brilliant. you know, he was fine with it. He was a good sport about it.
0: Well, how you do you mentioned one earlier bill that oh sorry bobby that was you know like pretty serious head injury from the construction can i yeah are, are you cool to talk about that can i ask you about yeah, for what sure happened, what happened there
2: um so i was living in california for a few years in rural california northern california and um i was working construction with a contractor this was like during the pandemic early pandemic but I also, um, when I was living out there, the whole time I was living out there, I was doing work trade on folks' land. So, the both places I had, I either didn't pay rent or paid like reduced rent and just worked on the land and the property um, because that's kind of housing is so scarce in the area I was living that. Um and it's so expensive that you that's all you can kinda if you're gonna be there, you kinda have to be there um find any way you can, and usually it's like living in like some secondary kind of situation on a on a rich okay. person's land.
0: Like the like the housekeeper's house.
2: Yeah. I'm not super handy, but I'm I'm like skilled enough to be someone's assistant. Right. <laughs> you know, like I couldn't have done it myself, but um, but, yeah, so the construction accident where I got hurt was just something like that. I was living on this property, and we were, like, re-shingling a shed or something, and it um, we, we were used building just scaffolding to get up to the roof out of spare lumber, and, like, a, a big, like, 4x4 beam fell on my head. Um, it was totally my mistake, and I didn't even think anything of it. I mean it hurt like hell and kind of dazed me for a few minutes but it stopped hurting and I just kept working and didn't think anything of it but then you know a few days later the concussion fully set in and I was not able to look at a screen or really form a sentence or do anything except kind of sit in in pain and avoid oh. stimulus all day and wow. that unfortunately for whatever reason I just I, I couldn't get over it and it it was, took me about a year before I could go back to work. And well, it, co- it
1: coincided with the, your mold allergies. Yeah, I, got,
2: I, I, I had, like, really severe reaction to living with mold in California, too. And, and it kind of threw my whole body into disarray. Fuck. Um, and then I got Lyme disease, too, during that time. So it's hard to say, like, what was interacting with what. But I just couldn't get over <laughs> the concussion. So, it, you know, for, wild. like, a year, all I could do was, like, listen to podcasts and NPR at, at low volume all day. I couldn't even really listen to music that much because it was like too stimulating.
0: What do you do when you're living in the States in that scenario, when it's like the bills are so high, were you hesitant to go to the doctor?
2: Yeah, I couldn't go to the doctor because I didn't have one and it was COVID. So no one was taking a new doctor or uh, No one was taking new patients. So, wow. um, I Just kind of had to wait it out um I ended up moving back to Detroit during that time to just kind of have more support, yeah, um,
0: I'm so sorry that sounds those are three fucking gnarly things,
2: yeah, no, it's okay. it's just um you know it, it like I like I was saying earlier, me and Jake were kind of going through a bunch of stuff at the same time, and it yeah. kind of defined the the era of working on this record, so it was. It was it was great, you know, to have each other to lean on and to all be in Detroit for a minute there. And yeah. Bill was super patient with the process um, and and the pace that we had to go at. So
0: nice. That's that's cool. That's really nice to to hear. I mean, having that support is. I mean, we talked about it right, but that's that's huge. That's kind of everything in a lot of circumstances.
1: Yeah, I'm looking for the, forward to the next record being defined by uh, health and prosperity more so
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey bobby and bill thanks so much for doing this you know i appreciate the long-form interview
2: hey thanks for having us it's our Pretty pleasure yeah yeah it's
1: yeah. really really nice to meet you
0: so there you go bill and bob from bonnie Dune here on 101 part-time jobs back for another episode in two days and that'll be with felix from genga however you'd like to say it all right then cheers. Thanks to Jason Cavalier for the music.
3: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply.